Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hoopsology's In the Lab returns as Justin and Matt give their early impressions of the NBA season. We break down if Luka can continue his hot start and make it run an MVP, if the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trailblazers can't remain at the top of the Western Conference, is Doc Rivers' job in jeopardy after the Sixers' slow start, can the Lakers turn their season around, and we discuss NBA Commissioner's Adam Silver's comments on taking. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We're available on Twitter through at HoopsologyPod, on Instagram at HoopsologyPod. Justin's Twitter is at JustinTime16, and Matt Thomas's Twitter is at the Trainers Take. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcasts. And now, in the lab. Welcome to another episode of Hoopsology, specifically something we like to call in the lab. It's just Justin and myself. As you heard, I am joined by my co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Good, man. I'm happy to be with you and happy to recap the first week of the NBA season. We're back. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing great. Very excited for this. Uh, just trying to stay warm in Albuquerque. It's very windy and cold here. Is it that way up in Colorado as well? Agreed. Um, and sunny. They said it's supposed to be like a massive snowstorm, but yet it's sunny and cold. So... Nice. I can not make heads or tails of the weather here sometimes. So. <laughs> totally understand. We did get a little bit of snow I heard. Uh, in yeah. Albuquerque, which which was odd. But we have a lot to get to. And uh, first, I think we owe it to the listeners on this new podcast feed. Of course, we are with the Underdog Podcast Network. We do a little something called In the Lab on this show. You know, our name is Hoopsology. We are looking at basketball culture as a whole, kind of studying the sport and its culture. We got our, our cute new graphics you guys have probably seen with us. Really happy with those. Check out our social media if you want to see that. But hey, we got the lab coats on. We're called Hoopsology. So you know what? When you and I are breaking down the game, it's called In the Lab. So that's kind of the idea behind In the Lab, you guys. And this will be something that we periodically do throughout the season. So you'll see our interviews and you'll see In the Lab episodes Hope you enjoy as always. Today is going to be fun. We are talking about surprise, no surprise, and some bummers from the first week of this NBA season, as Justin mentioned. So we're going to start on a positive note. We're going to start with our surprises. Some of them may be pleasant surprises. Some of them may be disappointing surprises. But first one, I think everybody in the NBA world would agree is the top of the Western Conference right now, as we look here, <laughs> two very unlikely suspects now with everything we're saying here. Granted, it's early, yes, but the Jazz are 3-0 and and the Trailblazers are 3-0. and The Jazz opened by beating the Denver Nuggets, who you and I are both very, very bullish on. They beat the T-Wolves, who everyone else has been very bullish on, and they beat the Pelicans, and there were two injuries that we'll we'll get to in a minute that happened in that Pelicans game. So 
Jazz on fire. They are playing the Rockets tonight. They will be playing a little bit later tonight. So they could have a loss, but with the way they've been rolling and the Rockets are 0-3, could be 4-0 after tonight. The Blazers beat um, the Kings. They beat the Suns, most shockingly, in their second game. And then they beat the Lakers in a close contested game. Justin, is there any sustainability with either of these franchises, or do you think at some point, you know, they're going to come back down to earth? Um, looking at the Jazz, you got to look at Laurie Marketing. He had a massive, massive game <clears throat> um, it, mm. recently, and then also take a look at the Blazers. I mean, people were speculating on Damian Lillard in terms of his injury, and granted, they're playing the Lakers, but you just saw that the his intensity still there. Um, just his quickness, everything. It looks like he haven't missed a step since his injuries. So I think with the Blazers, it's sustainable. I really do. Um, mm-hmm. And Anfrey Simons as well. I think um, Anfrey, um, Anfrey, um, I'm sorry, um, Anfrey Simmons, um, I apologize. Um, I think with him as well, I think they're going to be still a force. I mean, that's what Damian Lillard, he just has a um, – it's an attitude in terms of not giving up, not quitting. And you can see where the, when they played the Lakers, they put on a little bit of a run there, but the Blazers quickly came back. We'll talk about the whole Laker mess in a second. But from a Blazers <laughs> perspective, um, Damian Lillard is still one of the most premier athletes in this league. And again, I mean, we take a look at just the, the West. There's so much talent. If the Blazers are able to kind of just sneak into that sixth spot, I mean, we're going to hear some light MVP buzz for Damian Lillard if he continues this. Yeah, certainly I think the question will be durability for Damian Lillard after having so much time off and some serious injuries last year. But yeah. if he's good to go, which it seems like he is to the this point in the season, of course, it being early, then, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, certainly, I see the Blazers at least as more sustainable of a situation than the Jazz. I don't think Agreed. anyone, even with these three wins, is counting on the Blazers being a home court advantage type of team. But who knows? Maybe they will make some noise in that playing game. You'd have to think, again, with Damian Lillard sitting out last season, he is hungry for that. So I think solid points there. Next surprise we have, Justin, is... At the bottom of the Eastern Conference, a little bit shocking to see who's at number 14 there, the 76ers. A lot of people picking them, you know, experts, fans, et cetera, picking them to be a team that makes it to the NBA Finals or, or seriously contends for that with James Harden and Joel Embiid, of course. The 76ers are 0-3. They are 28th in the league in points per game. Um, maybe due to pacing, maybe due to poor shooting, uh, but their losses are against some pretty decent defensive teams, at least the first two. So they opened with a loss against Boston. I think you can throw that out. That's that's a good loss if you're going to lose to a team. They lost to Milwaukee, again, a team that I am very high on that, that I would pick to go to the finals uh, if, if I had to make that pick right now and the San Antonio Spurs. So the Spurs loss, of course, being the least forgivable of the three, especially coming off um, two consecutive losses before that you would have suspected them to come in hungry for that sort of more uh, simple type of a win. And I heard Bill Simmons talking this week 
about sort of this relationship between James Harden and Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid uh, not getting the ball as much under a James Harden-led team, especially now that James Harden is is like anchored in there on his extension and everything. Do you see trouble in Philly right now? Do you still think they're going to bounce back and let's say be like a home court advantage team? I mean, what can we tell for these first three games? So right now, the Sixers are playing the Pacers as we speak. So either it'll be 0-4 or 1-3. So let's assume that they beat the Pacers tonight. This is, I would assume that. That'd be another unforgivable loss. Yeah, some monumental collapse. So let's just give them the win today. I I think Doc Rivers, I agree with no Ducks. I was listening to them also that, you know, Doc Rivers' jobs, you know, it's on the line here <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Um, so if things go south, and especially you talk about the relationship with Joel Embiid and James Harden, I think, you know, there's going to be somebody to answer for that, and that's usually the head coach. And I wonder, I want to ask you, Matt, in this relationship, just with James Harden with his past, if there are going to be, I don't know, more i would say public incidents if there if there are going to be between the two of them in terms of them you know not getting along or sniping at each other in terms of who <laughs> wants to ball who do you think is going to be taking the blame for that is it going to be james harden just because of his track record in the past or do you think in b because it's you know he's known not to really hold his tongue and being very blunt with whatever is going on like who do you think is going to take kind of the blame in the public eye if things kind of deteriorate I feel very firmly that it's going to be James Harden yeah, taking the blame if that happens. Uh, Embiid has been there. Embiid was an MB- MVP candidate last year, and he's shown now that if he can stay healthy, he's at least bare minimum a top 10 player in this league. James Harden right now, very arguable if he is a top 10 player in this league anymore as, as it currently sits. Um, and also James Harden is the factor on this team that has changed. This team has had some playoff success, not as much of course, as um, has been expected of them under doc rivers, but there has been high expectations and Embiid's effort when he's healthy, of course, has has never been questioned as a part of that run. Even that back to that heartbreaker loss when Kawhi gave that dagger to the 76ers in the postseason a few years ago, back in 2019, um, you know, Embiid didn't really take a hit. The other thing, too, Embiid is grounded there, and then we can move on. But he, yeah. he is um, Philly's guy. Like, I, he is the foundation of that team. He is who you think of when you think of the modern day 76ers. So I think he has all that momentum. It would, it would take something incredible to uh, some incredible mistake on his part. And even then I'm not sure it would do it in terms of swinging favor in James Harden's direction. So I think James Harden has to be careful. I think it's always tricky in these situations because a guard is going to be ball dominant by default compared to a center. Like a center needs the ball fed to him. Uh, the guard does not, of course. If James Harden is, is taking the ball up, he's got it. And that is how James Harden has operated ever since he started on the Houston Rockets. So it's going to be tough to see if this meshes. <clears throat> and he's also got the history with Daryl Morey. It's true. So yeah, he probably feels supported in that way. Well, that's a good point, yeah. So let's move ahead. We still have a lot to get to. And another surprise, this one, we're going to go positive again. A pleasant surprise. You can look at these incredible numbers. <laughs> now, Justin, you and I said, and 
just about, I think, everyone analyzing the league expected Paolo to certainly be a rookie of the year contender or was their outright favorite. He was, you and I both agreed, the favorite to win the rookie of the year award and our pick for that. And it looks like everybody analyzing the league gets to pat ourselves on the back for this because you look at those numbers and it's incredible with Paolo Bancaro, uh, 23.3 points per game, 8.7 rebounds per game, 3.3 assists per game, two blocks per game, and he's shooting 80% from the free throw line. So very impressive start through three games. Any other thoughts on Paolo or what you've seen there? Uh, honest thought, it's disturbing to see his birthday being 2002. <laughs> Makes me feel old, first of all. Yes, yes. Um, second of all, no, as in terms of his play on the court, not a big surprise. Right now the Magic are struggling, but I don't think that's his fault. Um, I think it is going to be very interesting to see his progression. And really, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, just in terms of young players in the league, I don't think we've ever seen this many young, talented players in their first or second year. It is unbelievable throughout the league. So I think it's going to be very, very compelling to see where the Magic go with him and just with their young core and see where they end up, as well as the Pistons as well. Just a lot of these teams with a lot of rookies, a lot of you know fresh faces, I mean, these are – a lot of these players that might be at the bottom, I mean, they have a lot of great prospects. I mean, I can't really think of a team that's at the bottom. I mean, you mentioned the Kings, but they have great players too. It's not like they have <laughs> inferior talent. So um, not too much to see with Paulo. I think very impressive, and I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, towards the All-Star break and even afterwards if they if the match can go on a little bit of a run, even if it's not towards the playoffs, just in terms of them just rising up to be in that playing game mix. Absolutely. And, and I think the other thing that's impressive about Paolo, and then we'll move on, is just the way he has been able to have a lot of that offense run through him at, at 19 years old. You know, Agreed. like you said, the young talent. I mean, of course, we had Luca come in the league a few years ago. He certainly fits the mold on that. Thinking of last year with Jalen Green, he had a lot of responsibility last year for the Rockets. Cade Cunningham, even more so for the Pistons. So you're right. We always say it, but. It's just dumbfounding how much young talent there is in this league. And hopefully that means we get the Seattle Supersonics here soon. <laughs> we get, <laughs> right. we get some expansion. Yeah. Um, moving on to our next category, uh, which is bummers that uh, we'll just kind of get through real quick. Um, first one has to be what happened that I alluded to earlier on the Pelicans. The Pelicans were starting the season very hot, won their first two games, and then dropped one to the Jazz. Zion Williamson was injured about 11 minutes into the game. Jordan Clarkson blocked a fast break dunk attempt Brutal. from Zion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what I will say is it was a clean block. It was Agreed. all ball. Agreed. It was, it was a physical block, but... He did not even touch Zion's body. He just he had his hand so far on that ball that it just threw Zion backwards, which when you think of, you know, a much smaller Jordan Clarkson really was a very odd play. But Zion falls, and when I heard he was injured and saw the replay before I heard what the injury was, I assumed broken tailbone from the way that he fell and landed like right on his lower back. What we have heard is he has a hip contusion. Correct. Yeah. So no idea yet in terms of timeline as far as that goes. They have to see the severity of that. 
but you would guess probably at least two weeks, um, if not longer, with how they're going to look. They had success last year without him, with him sitting the entire year. And this team has always, always babied him. And you could say to their benefit, you could say to their detriment, certainly different opinions on that. But they have always traditionally babied him. So I think it's going to be a little while before we see him back on the court. Could be weeks, could be hopefully not, but could be months, depending on the severity. The other thing that happened is um, Brandon Ingram, arguably the star of this team, uh, certainly last year, uh, had a concussion during this game. Uh, so of course these two injuries factored heavily in the jazz getting the win in my opinion, but also looking long-term, you know, he's going to be out probably at least a week with concussion protocols and things like that. You know, the NBA doesn't want, uh, and they won't get, but they don't want bad press around concussions like the NFL got recently with Tua. So, um, nothing like that going on, but, had to break that news about the Pelicans, um, and it's a bummer. <laughs> what else can be said? Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, no need to be be freaked out. I think with Zion, I mean Dallas is you know that's a basketball play. That stuff happens. Sure. I think injuries to be concerned about would be like his foot, you know, knees, something that <clears throat> an injury that we didn't actually see on the court. Did all of a sudden get aggravated, and then it's like here we go again. But um, I think this just comes with the territory, and I'm sure he'll be back soon. Yeah, with a contusion, that's that's a soft tissue injury. So it's just going to be a matter of that that bruising and that swelling healing yeah. up. Um, so I, I, I'm with you. I don't think panic button needs to be hit or anything at this point, especially since the Pelicans showed last year they can do some stuff without him if Ingram comes back pretty quickly. The other bummer, and I, I'm just going to lay it out here real quick, even in spite of getting Sabonis, in spite of um, – you know, moves that they made in spite of Keegan Murray looking promising to this point, the Kings still might be terrible. You can debate that their losses opener against Portland, probably the most winnable of these three games to be fair. Uh, Lost to the Clippers was their second loss. And then to the Warriors have to excuse them losing to the former champs because they are just not on that level, certainly. And nobody expected them to be, but Keep an eye on the Kings. That could be really a, a big bummer. And and I just feel for that fan base at this point. If, you know, if they are in the lottery again this year, not even close to contending for a, a play-in game. Yeah. Well, if they stink, you know, there's the big prize at the end. And it well, won't be taken. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk I mean, about that. Yep. To me, I, I don't think it's the worst thing to be terrible this year. That's true. A <laughs> um, lot and, of and, franchises agree. <laughs> and the Kings are trying. I don't think, to me, I don't get the sense that they're tanking, which we'll, like you said, Matt, we'll discuss later on. So, you know, it's a bummer. Passionate fan base. Shout out to Morgan Reagan, who was recently, you know, on our show last year. Um, I yeah. know they're, they're dying for just a great team and you know they got a lot of young talent and i think with the league nowadays i mean just because you've leveled up doesn't guarantee you to really make advancements in your conference there's so many other great teams and so much prevalent of a talent um that you just have to really really you know make a massive impression to really make huge improvements in terms of where your team um, finishes you know you know in your division or in your conference so yeah it's unfortunate but it's early We'll see. It's early. I mean, look at Boston. I mean, they were not good, and they ended up in the finals. So, you know, for the Kings, I mean, who knows? 
Knows. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we have to kind of put that asterisk on all the takes we're given today. Yeah. Uh, other, other than one coming up at, towards the end here. But um, next is the no surprise category. So this is stuff you and I talked about either on the podcast or personally with each other. And I have to give the shout out to you, Justin, because Luca was your MVP pick. Now, again, we got a lot of games to go, but man, look at those numbers <laughs> through um, these first games here. 33 and a half points per game. I looked it up. He's actually fourth in scoring in the league right now, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, but also averaging eight rebounds and eight assists per game. Just incredible performances so far by Luka Doncic. Um, had this alley-oop play that looked exactly like there's actually a video that framed them together exactly like the Kobe to Shaq alley-oop from the Portland uh, playoff series way back in the early 2000s when the Lakers came back against the Blazers Um, so that was pretty cool to see but Luca making his teammates shine getting those stats filled filling the stat box so no surprises there and Justin I'm sure you would say the same given he was your MVP pick yeah no surprises there and that play you referenced um he didn't get the assist for that it was count as a, a missed shot yeah it's kind of a missed oh shot my goodness. yeah I know get outrageous <clears throat> but yeah <laughs> not a big on? Not a big shot, not a big shock, excuse me, um, in terms of what's happening. I'm curious if if you can if you can't pull this up, don't worry about it. Is this his free throw percentage? Just because we had Chuck Cooperstein on, you know, in our season preview, and he just pointed yes. to his free throws, his have to improve. Um, he was like he was really critical of Luca. So <laughs> Chuck, you're gonna about. like this. Ninety-four point four percent. There you go. On there nine go. free throw attempts a game. Yeah. So there if you, you want to look at a sign. Get- that Luca is dialed in. That's yep. one along with conditioning, which I do yep. think his conditioning is a little better. Yep. Uh, not just because of pictures during the summer, but actually what he's doing in these games. Yeah. Um, so good signs for Luca. Uh, next one, no surprises here. Team teams performing as expected. We've got the total opposite of the Western Conference when we look at the top of the Eastern Conference. You and I both talked about the Celtics and Bucks being the favorites, kind of co-favorites in the Eastern Conference, and we see that playing out right here. Granted, one of the wins for the Bucks was a blowout of the Rockets just the other night, uh, this past weekend, but they also did beat the 76ers, and uh, that was that was a, a pretty convincing win as well. So the Bucks are looking solid. The Celtics are looking solid. Jason Tatum's playing great. Jalen Brown playing pretty good. Um, so no surprises there. This may be low-key the actual NBA Finals, <laughs> if you think of it in those terms. When when these two teams, if they are at full strength, meet each other in the playoffs, this might be the most competitive basketball that we see all year. No, I agree. Not a big surprise of the Celtics and, and Bucks there at the top. Um, and then some other teams, I think, look out for Cleveland. I mean, they really mm-hmm. retooled. And with Donovan Mitchell, I think a, a fresh coat of paint and him actually being the man and not having to worry about it. I know him and Rudy Gobert had a tumultuous relationship in Utah, um, just not having to worry about that. In Cleveland, I think it's really going to pay dividends. But nothing too shocking there at the top. Like you said, I think – those are going to be the two juggernaut teams when we, you know, head into, you know, March and April for sure. Yeah, they're two and one right now. I didn't want to 
I'll try bring up too much about them because the Wizards are also two and one, and I don't want to get into a whole like, hey, are the Wizards the surprise? They're hot lad. They, they, oh, we always say that. And <laughs> getting up the season. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Um, so next, uh, another, I guess, something that you and I felt was going to happen that is happening. And that's Ben Simmons. We don't have to spend a long time. You and I have talked about Ben Simmons a lot. But if you look at the stats, it's disappointing to see five points a game. And I know people were saying like, hey, he's just going to have to play defense and pass the ball. But that's not the reality. As you and I have personally talked several times about, you have to be at least some sort of threat to drive and get a layup or get a dunk. You've got the size to do it. You've got the handles to do it. You've got the creativity to do it. So... It's been a rough start in Brooklyn for Ben Simmons. And honestly, it's it's disappointing to see because I'm tired of continually pushing on this narrative. I don't even want to talk about it much longer. Any thoughts there, Justin? Uh, not much. Only I, I just don't know where they go from here. I just think mm-hmm. that's where from experts way more you know smarter than I am they have been saying that he still has fear of shooting the ball when he has wide open looks. And I just think with Kyrie and Durant in particular, when is their patience going to run out? (laughs) And to me, just seeing some games, I think when they played the Pelicans, I mean, the Pelicans, I mean, handled them pretty easily. I mean, that should never happen based on what we've seen with the output of Durant and Kyrie. Like, it should never get blown out just the way that they score. I know Kyrie, I think he had a bad game during that game, but still, I just, I don't know. I, I think it's going to get pretty ugly if this path continues, and we talked about coaches being expendable. It could be Steve Nash. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. There, there's already rumors about that during yeah. the offseason for sure, so I'm yeah. with you there. And, yeah, ultimately – you have your three core stars on that Nets team. So at a certain point, if you're management, you got to say, hey, you guys have the talent to do this. Go out there and do it. Go out there, get it done. Yeah, And true. I think that's something that uh, you got to kind of say, even if you don't believe it about this next team, that's no surprise. We talked about this as well. And it has come to fruition that the Lakers <laughs> kind of stink. Uh, they're 13th. Tied with, you know, the 0-3 Kings, the 0-3 Thunder, and the 0-3 Rockets. At 0-3, they have lost to Golden State, forgivable in my opinion. Clippers, forgivable in my opinion, although should be close. Was a close game, in fairness. And then they have also lost to Portland, as we mentioned earlier, which also, in fairness, was a close game. There is a world where the Lakers could be 2-1 right now, and the media would ease up a little bit as far as that goes. Uh, but that's not the case. They're 0-3. It's been sloppy. It's been um, a lot of three-point attempts, I believe, against the Blazers, if I'm not mistaken. They were 9 for 45. Something like that. Yeah. From three-point land. which Terrible. <laughs> I mean, if you're not the Warriors or the James Harden Rockets and you see 45 three-point attempts, I mean, what are you doing? Uh, no team should be shooting that many threes other than those two I mentioned uh, at this point in the league. So, yeah, just looks bad. It, I think this is going to go down in history as one of the biggest mismanagement moments in the NBA, this whole move for Russell Westbrook. And that's not to go at Westbrook specifically, but that's to go at Lakers management and Rob Palinka specifically Agreed. for how they treated Vogel, 
how they retooled against Vogel's strengths after winning that title. Yeah, bullish. And to me, we've seen it in the NBA. I mean, we're I mean, we're no geniuses here. I think it's fairly easy how the NBA works is finding young talent. And I think with LeBron and Anthony Davis, finding young shooters, you know, that can be compliments along with, like you said, Matt, with a strong defensive core, and that's gone now. They struggle defensively. And to me, LeBron is also culpable. It's his idea to bring in Westbrook, and look what's happening here. And now they don't get along. It's like it's your idea to bring this guy in here. like, yeah. <laughs> And it's just not like a situation in which, you know, you know, you don't listen to players and you have management make all the decisions. I mean, LeBron is a power broker in this league. And not to mention, there's a lot of players from clutch sports. There's a lot of issues happening here. And a lot of the national media has piled on to the Lakers. So I don't think we need to go on, you know, too much here. But I just will say, um, check out the video from our former guest, uh, Coach Nick. He broke down really why the Lakers stink and why I think there's no hope for them just based on how they run their offense. Yeah. I, I don't even know what they can do at this point. I mean, they almost just have to kind of sit in it. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to do full fire sale, try to trade LeBron, try to trade AD, all, all this stuff. But at this point, I, I don't know how much value you're going to get even for those pieces, which sounds shocking to say for AD and LeBron. But I do well, believe I that's the truth. I think a lot. I mean, LeBron still, I mean, his numbers are great so far this sure. season. They and are. If you just, you know, what's it called? Low management him. He could be still a massive asset in the playoffs for a team. So he is far past his prime. It is that it speaks to the Lakers incompetence that (laughs) that they're so terrible. And my point uh, is that LeBron is 37. True. I don't know how many picks like a team would be willing or like young players that the Lakers need in a deal like that. I don't know what they would give up for a year or two of LeBron. Whoever's um, desperate. Yeah. And yeah. And maybe like you could see, I don't know, just throwing out like the Knicks, if they were sure. like, Oh my goodness, we finally have the chance to bring LeBron in. Um, that would be insane though. It seems like LeBron wants to break Kareem's scoring title record in LA. He's poised to do that. And he has free license on this team to shoot as much as he wants. You know, he's averaging, I think above 30 points per game at this point. He's, he's had a few games at least where he scored over 30. So it seems like mission is pretty clear. Like we're not contending this year. I'm going to get this incredible lifetime achievement. Let's be fair. Uh, LeBron still to this day, people don't call him a scorer and he's going to have the scoring title. So I think that's a huge feather in his cap. If, if I want to be, be nice now, be positive on, on the Lakers side Damn. of things, give LeBron some props here. No, um, but yeah, we could talk about the Lakers all day. We have another big topic that I want to cover our main topic, actually, now that we are through our surprises and bummers and no surprises. And this is actually a no surprise, but we're going to chat about this for a little while. And that is the fact that we have several teams this year that seem to be just blatantly outright tanking. So I'm going to pull this up. This is an article from Yahoo Sports. If you want to check it out, it's written by Callie Lawson Freeman. And it just talks about a potential G League becoming uh, and the NBA using like a Premier League soccer style, but also acknowledging that the depth of talent for the G League isn't there to be able to contend with NBA teams for like sort of this uh, rank system where if, if you're 
a bottom feeder in the NBA. If, if you're a team that's like tanking at the very bottom, you know, like let's say bottom two teams would move into the G league. There's just really not enough infrastructure for that yet and depth in the G league for that to make sense. But Justin, you also, um, I know watch that Adam silver interview from today where he kind of clarified some of his comments from this article. Would you fill us in on that? Yeah, of course. So this all comes from Adam Silver talking to the employees at the Phoenix Suns last week in wake of the Robert Sauber investigation. Now, there's some other things that came out from that, but basically he was asked some questions, and then he, he was asked about tanking, and here we are now. So basically he was on an interview with Malika Andrews from NBA Today on ESPN, and he clarified some of his comments regarding tanking. And I'll just read you some direct quotes. Uh, quote from Adam Silver, you're dealing with a 14% chance of getting the first pick. I recognize at the end of the day, analytics are what they are, and it's not about superstition. A 14% chance is better than a 1% chance or a no percent chance. But in terms of straightforward odds, it doesn't benefit a team to be the absolute worst team in the league. And even if you're one of them, one of the poor performing teams, you're still dealing with a 14% chance of winning the lottery. And it goes on here later in terms of relegation that you were saying, Matt, with the G League. Quote, I can't say I was deadly serious about regulation because we don't have it the same system as European soccer, and it would make no sense to send an NBA team to a G League or a G League team to the NBA, as Silver said. So here, here's some context, and forgive me, Matt, if I go off here. but No, all good. The way the G League works, and Matt, you're indicative of this because you had season tickets to the Albuquerque Thunderbirds back in the day when it was the D League. And I attended D League games, you know, as an intern at the little TV station there. The way the league, the NBA works, is not the same as European soccer, even AAA baseball. It is much more of a semiotic relationship with the G League and its teams as opposed to independent minor league teams. And Mm -hmm. just the way that the G League is structured, you basically have to kind of start from scratch to make this work. And not Mm -hmm. only that, you would have to really have fans in those smaller cities making sure that their attendance is up to snuff to rival an NBA team, which is a hard thing to do. But I will say, I don't think that's impossible, and I would say 10 years from now, here's the reason why. If you take a look at Overtime Elite, you take a look at a lot of prospects that are gaining a lot of traction on social media, if you even take a look at Victor Wimbenyama, if the NBA was really serious about garnering the best prospects in the world and really (laughs) destroying college basketball... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that this is impossible to do, but it would take a hell of a lot of work, and it's not possible now. I mean, it's just there's no way. And you would have to get the owners to agree. There's just so many logistical issues that you would have to do to make this happen. I mean, we were talking about this in our group chat with our friends. The idea sounds awesome. I mean, the Lakers sucks. Get rid of them. You know, <laughs> put up a team. That's great. Imagine? I, oh I, I, right. Right. It'll be, you know. Oh, hell would break loose. I mean, you talk about politics and <laughs> everything like that. I mean, the Lakers going to the G League, I mean, it'd be quite worse. So I think overall, you would have to see the NBA restructure its league to pull this off. And I just don't see them doing that in this case now. Yeah, totally. And, 
as you mentioned, like the European system is is just so different it's when different, it comes to soccer. Different. I mean, you're you're getting like ten year old kids put in soccer academies. I don't I don't know if that's the actual age, but it's very young kids very young. developing through like specifically soccer oriented academies. Um, so very very different, even far more intensive than uh, like an AAU team or, or like things like that, like club sports here in America. So you would need so much more infrastructure, as you mentioned, which I agree with you could happen, you know, maybe in a decade or two, um, but would take, take a lot. And like an effort. Said, they would have to uh, wrench power away from the NCAA. And I think they would have to really, really encourage like any prospect with a shred of pro potential. Hey, you guys are coming over here instead of going to college, which who knows if the youth is going to want to do that either. Um, It's just going to take some time. I I think kids are becoming more and more open to that idea. Uh, We've seen the expansion of the G league so far to this point, but going to take time, as you mentioned. Let me ask this, and don't hate me for asking this, all right, but <laughs> is tanking a problem? I don't think it is. Is it? Really. Is it so every year, media yeah. makes a big deal about this. They do. Like, um, it's, it's all over Twitter. It's, you know, there's jokes, there's memes. That's all good fun. But... Do you think like so so put yourself let's say I know you're a Bulls fan put your Pacers cap on real quick that you don't own <laughs> hypothetical Pacers cap you see what the Pacers are doing this year you see we have Rick Carlisle coaching helping in the front office these things Pacers fans know basketball you know basketball Justin if you are a Pacers fan or let's say it was the Bulls but you have the Pacers roster are you bummed out about what they're doing this year well, they have a, a lot of young talent, and I think yeah. that's the and that's the thing about the consumer, right? And didn't just, we're getting into more of a marketing discussion here, right? I just saw a tweet recently that the Brooklyn Nets have some of the worst attendance in the league right now. So, and they have Kevin Durant and they have Kyrie Irving. So, right now, from a consumer standpoint, is what does the consumer want? And it, it gets weird because with the Lakers, they're terrible, but they have great attendance. So they have stars. Yeah, they have stars. Hollywood likes stars. And even when the Lakers were terrible, I don't think their attendance was that bad to my recollection. So even Madison Square Garden, I mean, how many how many Knicks experts have you had on the show? And right. how many times have they talked about the fans are enabling this team to invest in bad habits over the years? Because the Knicks mm. are the Knicks fans are so loyal. They have so much hope. They're gonna pack it out every night just to see whoever's coming to the garden. It's just the magic the magic of Madison Square Garden. So I think it just depends on the arena. So well and LA and New York, sorry to cut you off. No have have a lot of travel coming too. They do. Like those aren't all New Yorkers no. or LA natives. Of course. A lot of people they're in town for LA for the of week course. and they're seeing a game. Of course. But I think it's one of those things where where we're seeing now in the league where there's so many teams that have so much great talent. It's hard to think of a team that's just completely hopeless. 
in terms of you know not having an attraction to go see. I mean, you take a look at the Magic. Are the Magic going to win a ton of games? Probably not. But guess who they have? They have Paulo. I mean, you can just and go and watch. He's worth the watch. He's worth the ticket of admission alone. And so I think it's one of those things, especially the way that we watch the NBA is different than the way that Gen Z watches the NBA. And um, Mike Greenberg of ESPN always uses analogy. You know, his son, I think, knows all the best players from NBA 2K. They're not watching the NBA as like, okay, the Sixers are the best team or whatever, or, or is Doc Rivers going to get fired? I mean, that's how we were watching it, but they care best about team players. Loyalty. Right. Yeah. They care about players. They care about who's popping right now. It's not about, you know, who's going to win the NBA finals. So I think in terms of – my point is, in terms of the consumer that is, you know, fueling this league in the future – I think the tanking issue, I'm like, I think we might be on the same page. It might get the same amount of heat. I think it's over. <laughs> Good. I think it's over. I think it's overrated. I really do. I think I, from a, I'm totally with I, you on I this. I think from a consumer standpoint, when you're watching the games that are drawing on, look at the games that are on TV. Are, are they going to put on crap games that are on TV? No, they're put on marquee matchups. And rarely, I can't think. And I might get corrected on this on the comments. I can't really think of a time where the NBA lays out their schedule and then we're laying, we're in April and then we're just seeing two crap teams that we, that they thought were going to be premier teams, you know, in the beginning of the season. And usually there's so much drama surrounding that team that stinks that people are usually going to watch. So the way these, these schedules, the way they're laid out, they're meticulously planned. From Christmas mm-hmm. Day to Martin Luther King Day to, you know, heading into, you know, the end of the playoffs. And so I think the tanking issue is overrated to me. I think it's just a talking point for mainstream sports media to get up in arms. And I've never really understood it because, quite frankly, those teams suck. I mean, I don't know what else <laughs> to tell you. I mean – not everyone suck. can win every night. They suck going into the season. They suck, you know, in March and April. And I think with the Bulls, for instance, my team, I think they're going to be fairly competitive. But, you know, if DeMar DeRozan gets hurt and if Zach Levine gets hurt, they're done. I mean, is, is, are they tanking? No, it's just they got hurt. I mean, what else? I mean, what else can you say? I mean, it's just unfortunate circumstance. So that that's not a, a, a conspiracy for the Chicago Bulls to get the first pick because if Demar Derozan tears his ACL, he's out for the rest of the season. So right. I mean, these 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 are the circumstances that's happened through the case of sports. So I agree with you, Matt. I think the whole tanking thing's overblown, but I do like the competitive nature of having your teams that normally would be out of it have a shot. That is compelling to me to watch, you know, in the last month of the season or so, to me, at least. So then these comments by Adam Silver, based on what you and I agree with, this is PR. This is, look, the NBA is a competitive league. This is the message I'm sending out. And Justin, I had this feeling that this is a media narrative that guaranteed next year this is going to be brought back again. We'll be sitting here talking about this again. Oh, yeah. Um, but with the points that you brought up and the depth of the league, I- I'm 100% with this even stronger because you mentioned a great point that the league is deep. Like I think of even the Thunder right now, who Agreed. are clearly front office tanking. I still would love to go see a Thunder game and watch Josh Giddy play. Now, you and I, hardcore basketball fans, so that's not going to be everyone who agrees with that particular take. Not everyone's going to want to go to a Pacers game and see Tyrese Halliburton. But I think the hardcore fans overlap in this, even if they are more like franchise-based and less player 
based, so kind of more an old school traditional fan, I think they're going to still see what their point guard of the future, Tyrese Halliburton, is going to be able to do. And they're going to be able to say, and they're going to enjoy being able to say, I was there when he was 21 years old or whatever, and he was coming up on this team. I've seen this story arc play out, and now we're contending for a title or, or whatever the case may be. The game of basketball has changed just because now in terms of social media, you have plenty of basketball players that have a great social media following. They're not even in the NBA. They don't play professionally and they're, they're watched online. So you can imagine where there's compelling players within the league that they're fun to watch as well. I mean, it, we're, we're at to a point that there's different attractions throughout the league that they don't have to be on a contending team or competing for MVP or trying to win the finals or whatever. I, they're just fun to watch, like you said, Matt. And I think that's something where older fans don't really understand. I think the <clears throat> the way basketball is, it's totally changing. I agree with you, Matt. <clears throat> I don't think there's just an issue of just having just a ton of stinker teams like when we were growing up. <laughs> like, these, yep. you know, why are these guys in the league? I think – Everybody that's you know puts on a uniform. This to sound corny, but everybody that puts on a uniform now. I think they are elite talents. You know, sure, they're the top talents in the world for sure. And it seems the players always try. I, I don't care what people say. Even that terrible year of the Charlotte Bobcats, if you can remember when that was a franchise, it, it seemed like they were trying. They were just legitimately terrible. They were front office tanking. The Jazz are 3-0, and as we talked about. The Blazers are 3-0. and Not the best rosters in the league, but those players are trying hard. Watching the Jazz play, they are trying hard. And great talent. Laurie Markkinen's on that team. I mean, he is a great talent despite it not working out in Chicago. I mean, this could be is, like a Danny Ainge yeah. thing. Like maybe the Jazz are just <laughs> just rubbing <laughs> off, you know, Danny Ainge trying to tank and he gets Jason Tatum and, and right. Jalen Brown. <laughs> uh, so maybe right. the Jazz are, are getting that Ainge effect, we can call it. But right. um, so to sum it up, tanking, we both seem to agree. Pretty heavy media driven narrative, maybe Twitter driven driven narrative. Um, seems like player tanking. Not really a thing, but front office tanking, I would say, I think we agree, is a thing. Like, yes, the Jazz are set up to fail this year uh, in terms of a front office side of things. Like, we gave you these players. These players are going to try. But, yeah, you're probably going to give us a shot at a top two pick uh, when all is said and done. So, yeah, that's what we have on tanking. Any other last thoughts on that before we wrap up? No, I, I think one more thing before we wrap it up. I, I lied. I, incorrect. I said no. That's a lie. <laughs> All good. Um, I would say <clears throat> just with the parity of the league and the parity of the Eastern Conference, that is a great example of just the way it's wide open every single year in terms of every team at least having some kind of a shot. And I think that's what's maybe disappointing about a team like the Kings where they haven't really been in the playoff mix for so long. And I think – for the league itself, you wish that over a 10-year span, if you're charting a team, that you see them at least in the playoffs at least 50% of the time at a lever of the lower seed or you know competing at least for the title. I think that should be the objective. And when you have a team that you know they're not sniffing the playoffs for a long period of time, I think that's where the disappointment comes into play as a fan base. So I think there is concern regarding that. But I think... 
as we continue to see there's an increase in talent, I think we're going to see a flip-flop in terms of those top, you know, eight teams every year when it's all said and done after the playing game in terms of, you know, competitiveness. Shoot. I mean, look at the Grizzlies last year. Yeah. You know, that, that was like, they're too young to do this, whatever. Yeah. John Morant's cool, but they're it's too true. young. And then there's second seed in the West, yeah. uh, to your point. It's true. We got to get out of here. Um, appreciate you guys listening. If you made it this far, be sure to check us out on social media. We are both on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, our podcast feed, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can check that out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, of course, check out our podcast social media as well. If you have any feedback, any topic suggestions, stuff you want to hear, shoot us an email, hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Anything else, Justin? That's it. You covered it. Right on. Well, we are going to peace out. Thank you again for supporting the show. This is a blast for us. Glad to have you guys in the conversation with us. Take care. Peace out. See you next time.